0: hello and welcome to a new episode of the go to a podcast i'm jack french really for wahoo's 24 7 and we're going to talk about the nc state loss in this episode but also look ahead to the virginia game against boston college but before we get going i want you to go ahead and like this video like our channel on youtube and click on the bell so you're notified whenever there's a new video and if you're listening this where on whatever podcast platform you have why don't you go ahead and review and rate us on spotify and apple that way we can continue to grow the show and also Wahoo's 24 7. um we've had tremendous growth over the course of the last year so i really appreciate all of you that have tuned in signed up for a subscription and have participated um in everything that we've done so i, I really really appreciate the support so and also before we get going too as you notice this has been posted on tuesday um i am trying to see what the best course of action is when it comes to scheduling um a lot of you know that i am a, a mom my daughter was uh sick when i got home on um uh, on friday uh, on friday night after the nc state came so on um, my weekend i spent my time with her so i couldn't re-watch the game to do a game recap episode on monday so i only rewatched the game on Monday night. So obviously I couldn't get a podcast together until today on Tuesday. Um and I couldn't get it done until after Tony Elliott's press conference because I had to be at Virginia by eleven for um post practice interviews. So with timing, it's been a little hard to get these episodes up on Monday. Um as you know I'm, you know, Michael Kieran is a student intern and he's busy with classes. So I'm basically uh, the one who's in charge of this every week. So it's been a little hard to do it on Mondays. So I might move this permanently on Tuesdays and do Thursdays for behind enemy lines and just get a deeper look into the opponent. So that could be what we do moving forward is logistically. It's, it's a little easier, especially with Boston College. I will be in um, Boston College this week for the games. So I'll be traveling back on Sunday. So again, I probably won't get to rewatch the game until Monday which means I won't be able to do a game recap until then either. So again, it's probably makes more sense to do these Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then as basketball season comes closer and we'll be covering from basketball media day, we actually will be talking to the women's basketball team on Wednesday as well. We will probably adjust our schedule again to have one day dedicated to basketball week and one dedicated to football. So, and then it was also recruiting that's coming up early Sunday. So we're trying to see what way it works without, um, me missing something and the ability to record as well so i just want to get that out there about the scheduling so right now we'll just move to tuesday and thursdays is what i'm going for for next week for football and then uh, we'll kind of adjust as basketball season comes closer where we'll be talking more about basketball and honestly basketball recruiting is picking up here now with the staff on with staff meeting guys, you know they're trying to secure a couple of commitments. So I, I could see us do a couple more basketball recruiting stuff as well. So again, tuesday and Thursdays for right now for football. Tuesdays will be your game recap, post Tony Elliott press conference, and then Thursday will be your um, look ahead to the game. That's where I think we're headed to right now, just logistically with how things are going. Now we'll we'll see how this works this week. So let's start off with a couple of breaking news from Tony Elliott's press conference. I think the big news from the press conference, obviously, is that Tony Musket will be your starter against Boston College. Now, remember, Musket got hurt against Tennessee. He hurt his shoulder. He's been out for a couple of weeks. Anthony Colandrea has stepped up and has been doing very well. Um, showed his moxie, shows him his ability to be electric, shows that the moment is not too big for him. You've seen growth from him. He's, you know, obviously he has turned over the ball. So that is something that you know he's done he is still doing some rookie mistakes that you expect a true freshman to do um but you obviously see the talent that y- you have with an anthony colandrea quarterback so you can see what the offense will look like in the future for virginia again anthony colandrea showed improvement from the maryland game to the nc state game because in the maryland game he let one pick go to two picks go to three picks and the fumble in the game against nc state he had that one pick went to two picks but then he responded in that crucial touchdown drive, which got the two point conversion. He learned to respond. Kudos to Des Kitchings. He gave Calandria a couple of QB runs just to get him back in the groove, gained some momentum, gained a little bit more confidence, and that also helped as well. So, but at the end of the day, Tony Musket is going to be your starter. I understand why Tony Elliott is putting Tony Musket under center. He was the guy that won the battle after fall camp. After fall camp, Tony Musket was the guy he played against Tennessee. I will not judge Tony Musket on the Tennessee game. That was only 45 snaps for him, and I was against an opponent that they were outmatched with. I mean, I was going to be one of the best defensive lines uh, against the Vols. I mean, the defensive line for the Vols was probably going to be one of the best defensive lines that Virginia faces all year. So, And then the O-line was still not as... I mean, the O-line is still struggling, but it's getting better every week. That was the first game. You know, Virginia hasn't made adjustments on that O-line with Brian Stevens at center. And, you know, we've seen how how much more improved the O-line is with some of the adjustments they made. Tony Musket still hasn't played after those adjustments were made. So again, we're going to see how that looks this week. And again, totally understand why Tony Musket is going to be under center. In this portal world, Tony Musket getting a chance at starting also helps you there um in my opinion if tony musket loses his job into an injury when you're winless although i like i said anthony colandrea has a lot of hope in the future i mean anthony colander is a is a ball player he is i mean he's really really good he was a great evaluation by the staff but if UVA wants a chance at getting guys from the portal in the future, you also play Tony Musket. Sometimes you also have to play politics. But again, Tony Musket won the battle after fall camp too. And we only have Tennessee film to really judge him on. There's a reason why he won the fall camp competition too. Alan T. Colandrea pushed him. Let's give, like Tony Elliott said, let's give him the game day evaluation too. So, um, and, uh, you know, uh, I've I've talked to a few people about this too on the beat and Just, you know, just generally talking about a two quarterback system. And uh, Tony Elliott was asked about that. It's not the only big news coming from Tony Elliott's press conference. Now, Virginia obviously is traveling to Boston College this week. So we were looking at the depth chart to see if there's any changes. You know, sometimes the depth chart does reveal some changes. Sometimes you don't see those changes until game day. I mean, Brian Stevens was not listed at center right, right before the Maryland game, but he was at center. Then Lex Long, who did not play last week, was not expected to play as we reported as tony Ella even said in his press conference but he was still on the depth chart so i w- i would say um this is kind of like a guideline of what to expect but there is some noticeable differences obviously um on the uh, on the offense you notice that jimmy christ does make an appearance on the depth chart um for the first time since his injury he is behind ugana nana at right tackle um, ty furnish is still at right guard and brian stevens is still at center There's no more or between Kobe Pace and Mike Hollins. So those are kind of the the clear differences on the offense. And again, this is all available in Wahoo's 24-7. I go position by position so you can see the changes on the depth chart. Um, So that is something that's easy for you to access. Now, on the O-line, I'm interested to see moving forward if that's what the O-line looks. So right now, from left to right, you have Mikhail Boley, Noah Josie who's having a really under a quiet season. Modona Josie's said doing a good job. Then Brian Stevens, Ty Furnish, and then Ugana Nana. Ugana Nana has moved to tackle. He was playing guard uh, mostly heading into fall camp. And then they moved him to tackle after all the injuries and trying to adjust. I'm curious myself if they move with Jimmy Christ because con- conditioning getting better. I'm curious to see if they move Jimmy Christ to right tackle and Ugana Nana to right guard. Um, that is my curiosity peaked for this week. And if that's something that they can do moving forward. So that is the offensive side on the depth chart on the defense. This is where the big news is. Cam Butler is not playing against Boston college. That is a huge loss for this UVA defense, a UVA defense that's been hurt by so many injuries. I know a lot of people are saying, well, this defense should have been better by now, but I mean, Look who's not playing. This defensive line was meant to be the strength of this team. Chico Bennett is still not 100%. He's getting there. He's, every week is he is better. I mean, it's just uh, unlucky that he got that freak injury in the fall camp. So you had Chico Bennett working back to fitness. You have Sue Agunloe, who is now out for the season. So your depth inside is also taking a hit. And then you have Cam Butler, who they're still waiting for an MRI to see how how long he's going to be out they think it's a pec injury they're hoping it's a pec injury rather than a shoulder injury then you have Paula Kiri, who's also not going to be available another edge guy so Paula Keary is not expecting to play so that means McKay Buchanan is going to be the guy who comes in at number two behind Chico Bennett then Bryce Carter is going to be starting at defensive end for Cam Butler and then Ben Smiley will be the guy behind him but he's going through concussion protocol they're hoping that ben smiley will be ready to go for this week again a lot of injuries you're also relying on jason hammond to come in at nose tackle behind jameer carter after all the injuries that they're facing now at linebacker josh Ahern is questionable for the game so you're probably expecting that cam robinson the true freshman who led the team in tackles uh, last week to start and honestly on the depth chart it says Josh Ahern or Cam Robinson I honestly think Cam Robinson's are in the starting starting position from his play last week but again that's something that uh to look out for another injury and then man you just look at that secondary a lot of movement on the depth chart you have Cohen King the steady force back there you Sanker a the steady force at safety but then Malcolm Green at right corner or Dre Walker, the true freshman, who also did a good job against NC State, he had a really nice pass breakup in the end zone. He's having a really good day. He's he's someone that I've hyped up a lot preseason. You know, I was on that lockdown podcast with with Tony and uh, Amon and and Brad and Chris, and we talked about some of the preseason hype. And I chose Dre Walker as one of the guys to look out for this year as a possible breakout guy, and um. I mean you're seeing why i was confident that he was going to be one of the freshmen to watch and he's i think we see him more and more as the season goes on um fun fact he is roommates with cam robinson and moving forward you see that sam westfall on the depth chart is now behind cohen king so a lot of movement at corner while on at safety because antonio clary is out lex long is also expected to be out with a foot injury this week so now you have landon danley a true freshman, also on the depth chart. I expect Caleb Hardy is another guy to watch out for there as well. Um, Micah Gaffney obviously did a good job against NC State. So again, a lot of moving pieces in that secondary. Um, I, it's uh, it's been it's been quite the journey for this Virginia defense. They went in thinking they would had a few pieces they need to worry about, but they were going to be anchored by a veteran defensive line, and that experience was evaporated with injuries. And even at linebacker, they thought they had enough depth when they come into the season. They thought Lex Long will be their versatile guy in the secondary and the linebacker, and then not evaporated. And then in the secondary, they can they thought they had enough bodies back there. And again, injuries happen, and now they're trying to adjust with the bodies that they have. Again, it's been you know with William Simpkins down, Donovan Johnson down. So again, it's been um, it, it's been a uh, different tale for this defense this year, but. A lot of freshmen, a lot of young talent, getting necessary reps for the future, like I said early on about the offense. So those are the key stories heading into the game against Boston College. We're going to take a quick break, and then on the way back, we'll recap the game against NC State, looking at some things that stood out, some of our big takeaways, and just what we want to see as Virginia takes on Boston College. So we'll be right back for the second half of our show. Welcome back to the good old podcast. I'm Jack French, for Wahoos 24-7. And on your screen, you're going to have the full stats that is available from the NC State loss, Um, just like three, two, one. And welcome back to the and welcome back to the good old podcast. I'm Jack French, for Wahoos 24-7. And just like in other weeks, we have the stats available to you if you're watching this on YouTube. And then obviously those stats are also available on Wahoos 24-7 as well. So, let's get to it to our game recap. So obviously Virginia, it was a heartbreaker for UVA. They lost a 20 they lost to NC State 24 to 21 on a last second field goal. The game was really about that last minute. It was it was gut-wrenching to see how Virginia lost the game because this game was not about NC State winning. It was about UVA losing. At the end of the day, it's been the same story, but different day for UVA, um, they found a way to lose the game. So uh, in the end, after getting the two-point conversion, you had, well, first of all, leading up to the two-point conversion, I mean, Anthony Colandrea was able to tie up the, was able to get the six points, and then they needed a two-point conversion to tie the game. And Ty Furnish was called for an unsportsmanlike penalty for a headbutt, I mean, to be fair, Ty Furnish was lucky that he didn't get called for another unsportsmanlike conduct um, earlier in the game. So then that happened. So they were pushed back by 18 yards. They converted the two-point conversion with Calandria hitting Malachi Fields in the end zone. And then they called by another 15 point, 15 yard unsportsmanlike penalty with Anthony Calandria's helmet coming off. Um, that one, I, I mean, out of all the penalties, that one is not the one that bothers me the most. Because he just literally took off his penalty. That The penalty was about him taking off his helmet. Um, when it was coming off, he lifted it off com- more completely. It was not about the celebration afterwards. I had assumed it was about the celebration, um, not about the helmet. But the ACC told Greg Medea from the Daily Progress that it was about him taking off the helmet. So, I mean, the helmet was coming off. He just If he had just, I think, taken off the, the helmet and not done the celebration... I don't think he would have got that penalty, in my opinion. Obviously, the ACC is saying it's for the helmet, not the celebration. But I just think if he didn't celebrate it, he wouldn't have done. It. Again, it's a true freshman. He's enjoying. I mean, he just hit a two point conversion. I mean, I think I can forgive him for that. But then what we can't forgive? Uh, well, I mean, not now we can't forgive. But I mean, again, it's the story is that. You're in a crunch time situation, and your team is able to block a punt, and then obviously James Jackson uh, left over a center, which is a big no-no um, in special teams. So again, special teams hurts you. So just being aware of those rules on special teams. So it's all those little details. I mean, you go through the game and you see those details. You see, you know, the turnovers. You see the false starts. You see the drop pass. I mean, there's so many opportunities where you go and you look at the game and you say, Virginia is so close. I mean, that has been, you know, against James Madison, we saw that. Against Maryland, we saw that. Against NC State, we saw that. So at one point, Virginia needs to take advantage of their opportunities to take the next step. The defense played one of its best games against NC State. They gave the Virginia the opportunity. And, and I mean, Anthony Calendrea gave the opportunity. And, and you know, Malik Washington too and Malachi Fields. All these guys gave you the opportunity. The O-line played one of its best games, in my opinion, as well. And although they didn't have a good, you know, they, they weren't good on the run, they gave Anthony Colandrea plenty of time in a lot of cases. I know there's one uh, they um, one sack by Anthony Colandrea that he, when you look at it, You're going to automatically blame the O-line. Anthony Colandrea did have some options. Um, When you look at it, it it looked like he held on the ball just a second too long. Um, Malik Washington was uh, one that looked open. So when you look at that, again, that is Anthony Colandrea as a true freshman rookie learning on the job. Again, he's got explosiveness. He gives you big play opportunities, but he's also learning. He's also learning, getting those intermediate, medium-range passes. That's something that I feel like that's still something that Anthony Kalandrea is learning on the job, is getting comfortable with those progressions and looking into that. Now, again, Anthony Kalandrea is a guy that if he gets pressure, he's still looking downfield for his receiver. Um, and we've seen that plenty of times and I've talked about it a lot. But there's still things that he's learning and he is improving. So that is something that, you know, as as things get more and more, and more into his career, that's something that you will see improvement in. But right now, that was something that that one of the sacks um that we saw during the game against nc state but since i said that this was one of the best defensive performances of the year for this defense let's start with talking about the defense i feel like we've focused so much on the offense when we kind of break things down that we don't really talk about this defense and honestly kudos to coach john radzinski and this team because this was honestly their best performance of the year like i said cam robinson led the team with 11 tackles followed by james jackson at seven Apart from that special team's play at the end of the game, James Jackson had a strong game. I mean, Brendan Armstrong was pressured quite a lot in this game. And James Jackson um, was one of those reasons. And he had a tackle in that, I mean, he had a sack in that game. So again, he did have good moments. It's just, you know, it's been a little overshadowed by us talking about that special team's play and penalty. Um, Cam Robinson, you know, again, like I said, Dre Walker was one of our breakout players of the year. I think everyone was picking Cam Robinson as a true freshman. So I wanted to be different. So I picked Trey Walker, but you know, if you looked at all of our preseason prediction, we had cam Robinson as a guy that would get on the field rather quickly. So it's no, it's no surprise to see him as a true freshman starting. And you know, he's such an athletic rangy linebacker. He, uh, he has the speed that you want. I mean, he's still trying to understand things and learning the position. Um, You know he's still trying to understand the college game a bit the pace of the college game getting comfortable um, at will so cuz he I think he was more a Mike at high school so again getting comfortable with that so again he's doing a good job and he's going to be quite the athlete for Virginia I think you know Tony Elliott called him a program changer you know I am writing a feature on Cam Robinson on Thursday and I asked Elliot about the recruitment, and uh, there was one thing. Remember, if you listened to us back then during that recruiting process, we said that Virginia rolled eight deep with so- all their coaches' staff in there. And Tony Elliott said, it's "Like this is a game changer. The Cam Robinson is a guy that you bring in and could, you know, change the momentum of the program." Um, and Cam Robinson, though, know, stuck with Virginia after being pursued by some other heavy hitters like Florida State and South Carolina. He turned those guys down. And he came to Virginia because he believed what the staff was um, trying to accomplish at UVA. So that is why, and this is why Virginia was so adamant that they needed eight guys going to that basketball game to make sure he signed on early signing day for them was because of they were thinking that he would contribute early. So, and that's what he's doing. So, I mean, again, Dre Walker, um, a guy that is very, very confident in his abilities and um is showing why he was also pursued tony elliott actually watched him play in high school he was one of the few that elliott was able to watch in person when he went to see a game in north carolina he was a pretty quiet guy in his recruitment his recruitment kind of started getting some noise towards the end of early Sunday day there was you know wake forest watching him a couple of other schools but he was again solid with virginia and virginia recruited him right after camp he was One of the participates in the first camp of tony elliott's career at virginia at one of the recruiting camps and john radzinski and curam cox saw him and offered him during that visit and then i think about a month later or just under a month he committed to uva so he's been a pretty strong there now what i liked about this game um so let's look at some of the stats here so nc state was held to 319 yards total 180 yards on in the air so they held brendan armstrong to 180 yards in the air and 64 yards on the ground um so again he only averaged 4.3 yards per carry which is what you want when you're going after brendan armstrong and nc state only had 139 yards rushing so it was a good day for that defense and they nc state coming into the game was one of the most efficient teams on third down and they went 6 of 14. So again, a good showing for this Virginia defense to allow NC State just 24 points and I mean they did their jobs. They gave UVA an opportunity to win. So what I liked about coach Rudd's game plan for this game was um they're like we in order for you to beat Brennan Armstrong, you got to put pressure on him, right? So we need to get him pressure and they did. They they were able to um sack him twice. So and they they were also able to get uh, five um, tackles for a loss, so when you when you look at that, you can see that they were able to pressure him so much better this game. And then on offense, Virginia managed 384 yards total, 271 in the air, and 113 on the ground. Obviously, the rushing is something that still needs to get better. I mean, they averaged after you consider the two sacks, they averaged 2.8 yards per carry. That is, you still want to get better. But then Malik Washington, I mean, what a get for Virginia in the portal. He had 10 catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 17 yards per catch. The first, he's only one of three receivers to able to record 300-yard games. So again, such a huge win for Virginia in the portal. Um, Him and Malachi Fields have been quite a revelation for this offense. And obviously, they've had a good partnership with Anthony Colandrea, who finished the game. Uh, completing sixty percent of his passes, eighteen of thirty for two hundred seventy-one yards and two touchdowns, and obviously two interceptions. Like I talked about in the first half of the show, I, I would give him a leeway on that first interception. Again, that was just a great, great like tip ball uh, on on the pick that went to the other defender. It was just two. It was just a good play by both defenders for NC State in that regard. So we talked a little bit about Ty Furnish, and I mean at, at this point. You're expecting something. I mean, after the Duke game last year, Tony Elliott said that he wanted his team to be accountable. And that because of some of the penalties that hurt, he was going to sit players down if they if they did consistent penalties. So I'm curious to see um, what happens after some of the late penalties this week. But also, I'm curious to see when they discuss 4th and 1 situations. I'm on the fence on about the second one if you kick a field goal or go for point or go for go for it on fourth and one and try to you know obviously you want to score a touchdown there because at the end a touchdown would have won you the game um i guess monday back Mo- monday back quarterbacking monday quarterbacking but um i just think that first fourth and one if you're gonna go staying the shotgun i just i'm not a fan of that and i get it that some some coaches and want to stick to your scheme. And it's been something that's not just Virginia. I mean, this is something that you've seen a lot in college football is that they will stay in the shotgun. Uh, I just feel like if you got one yard, um, you want to stay under center, or, you know, go for QB sneak. But I also, you know, what desk Kitchings and Tony Elliott says they didn't want to put too much in a true freshman quarterback um, and, you know, I've, you know, we've seen issues with a QB sneak where they fumble the ball and then you turn over it. So. I get it. I really do. But at the same time, when you're, I, it wasn't even fourth and one, I think it was fourth and inches. So in that regard, I still, it's, it still irks me. So, but again, I understand their thought process. I just, you know, I, I Virginia is not doing well in short field situations right now. Like I said, um, in the first half of the show, when uh, I was mentioning Anti Andrea was, you know, a guy that makes you the big plays. Virginia right now just doesn't, Move the ball as much with short yard gains, so that's something that you you you're, you you want to see more of Virginia moving forward. Um, that just keeps the ball in their possession as well, which helps you know the the defense uh, not be as gassed as well, especially with um, so many injuries on that side of the ball. Um, and again, like I said, the second four from one, I like at that point you want to take the points because you've you know you've been in that position and you want. You want to give something to your team so that they can, instead of going for it and not getting it, because you've seen you've seen the story and the script before where you don't get it, and then your team still is behind. I mean, NC State did score it right after that, but at the same time, you have something to hold on to, or mentally, if you're the team, you scored three points. So I get that. Um, I'm always curious about what the analytics say about because some coaches really are into analytics, and they'll look into it like this is a percent chance you go on four foot one at this situation. And if you go on this situation, but um so again, I, 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 I get it on that one too. I, I still think you go under center or QB sneak for that fourth one at midfield. I mean, or, or to be fair, you can always, um, I mean, Daniel Sparks is, I mean, one of the best punters just have him and you still play that um, field position game, kind of that, what they were doing with NC state. But again, that's again, thinking back, um, At the end, yeah, you have those little bit of 4-for-1 issues, but at the end of the day, Virginia did have the opportunity to win this game. They just couldn't hold on. And, uh, I mean, again, I didn't feel like NC State won this game. I felt like Virginia lost this game. Um, It wasn't like, I felt like, well, after Maryland, yes, they had a couple opportunities here and there, but it didn't feel like UVA really lost that game. It felt like Maryland won that game in that second half. But in this game, it still feels like UVA lost the game and rather the NC State won it. I didn't think the best team uh, won that game. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's our, our, our quick game recap. Um, again, like I said in the beginning of the show, we're going to do a behind the lines look with A.J. Black, who's our publisher for the Boston College site on 24-7. He'll be joining us on the show on Thursday so that he can break down Boston College, what it, what's the expectations around that team, who to watch out for any injuries concern. I saw, you know, just before I started recording this show that Alex Washington, a uh, transfer corner that they got from the portal, just put his name back in the portal. Well, I guess he's a grad transfer, so he's putting his name back in the portal. So, um, that was an interesting situation. Virginia actually offered Alex Washington the last time he was in the portal in the winter. So it's a name that Virginia is very familiar with. So his name is back in the portal um so boston college is dealing with its own issues right now boston college has not won a power against a power five team so um they they played really close with florida state which raised a few eyebrows but then louisville took care of business against them the week after so um aj will be on the show to break down boston college as virginia looks to win their first game since beating georgia tech on the road in atlanta last year so they're hoping to end that seven game losing streak against boston college so We'll be back back here on Thursday to break down that. And we might have some recruiting news as well. I'm looking to get some new boards for the uh, new reset board for 2024. And also look ahead to some of the 2025 names to watch for because Virginia has been hosting a few players. They'll host more against William & Mary. And in about a month's time, they'll be hosting official visitors. So we'll get all that um, look ahead as uh, we continue our coverage on Wahoos 24-7. So for today... Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.